2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 1. Then came all the tribes of Israel to David in Hebron, and spoke, saying, Behold, we are thy bone and thy flesh. Now this is a beautiful chapter where all of Israel receives David as king. This won't continue forever. There is going to be another schism where most of the tribes break off from having David as their king, and they set up their own king. But in this chapter, all of Israel is going to receive him. And the wording is very interesting here, because they are saying, we are your bone and your flesh. In Genesis, Adam said of Eve, she is my bone and my flesh. This is kind of like a marriage between King David and Israel. They're saying they're one, just like a man and wife. They want David to be the head just as the husband is the head over the wife. This is just a spiritual reference, meaning that he is going to be their leader, and he will protect them. Two, in times past when Saul was king over us, it was thou that didst lead out and bring in Israel. And the Lord said to thee, Thou shalt feed my people Israel, and thou shalt be prince over Israel. The wording is reminding you of Jesus. This chapter shows another way that King David was a type of Jesus, meaning that his life foreshadowed the life of Christ to come. Because here again we see the wording that represents Christ. Christ is our head, and we are the bride, or the body of Christ. We are his flesh and blood spiritually. In this verse 2 it's saying that David will feed the people just as a shepherd feeds the sheep. And Jesus is the good shepherd who feeds us with the truth of his gospel. That's what he feeds us, is his words, which are holy and true. 3. So all the elders of Israel came to the king to Hebron, and Hebron is in Judah. And King David made a covenant with them in Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. David is not just king of Judah, but he is king of all the twelve tribes. He was really king in God's eyes before this, but now the tribes have acknowledged him as their king. For David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. He reigned a total of 40 years. The number 40 in the Bible always represents a time of testing, and David's entire reign was a time of testing. He was tested over and over in his faith. 5. In Hebron he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and in Jerusalem he reigned thirty and three years over all Israel and Judah. He reigned thirty-three years over all twelve tribes, but he reigned for seven and a half years before that just over Judah. Seven is a godly number, and so is three. Three means the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and seven is the number of completion. 6. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites. Now the Jebusites are not Israelites. They are pagans who live in Jerusalem. The inhabitants of the land who spoke unto David, saying, Except thou take away the blind and the lame, thou shalt not come in hither. Thanking David could not come in hither. Even all throughout Saul's reign, and all throughout the reign of the judges, the Jebusites were there, and they are pagans. They had their own lame and blind people, in other words, their handicapped people, were living near the gutter or the sewer area. It's like the canals of the town, and the only way to get in the town was through those canals. And I guess the lame and the blind were there because it was easy access to water so that they wouldn't have to walk very far because they couldn't walk like other people could walk a long distance to get their water. These lame and blind, because they were pagans, they hated David, they taunted him, and they reviled him. 
because they were not Israelites and they didn't want him to take over Jerusalem. David has said that because these particular lame and blind who are pagans have derided David, he has said to overtake the lame and the blind that are in the canal area to wipe them out. 7. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, the same as the city of David. The city of David is within Jerusalem, and it still exists today. The original temple was in the city of David in an area of Jerusalem. The city of David is like in a region of Jerusalem. That's the actual place that David took over, and it's also called Zion. So it's like in a district or a zone of Jerusalem. 8. And David said on that day, Whosoever smiteth the Jebusites, and getteth up to the gutter, that's the water canal, and taketh away the lame and the blind, and that means hauling out the handicapped people that are living there, that are hated of David's soul, wherefore they say, There are the blind and the lame, he cannot come into the house. There became a saying in King David's kingdom that the lame and the blind are not allowed in King David's palace. But it's not talking about the lame and blind in general. It's talking about those who were Jebusites who hated David and were opposing him and were using their bodies to block his entry into Jerusalem. They were blocking the canal way and they were deriding and reviling him with words. It isn't that David was prejudiced against anybody who's handicapped, because the general lame and blind, he always helped those people. But he was angry with the lame and blind Jebusites because they opposed him and his kingdom. However, this has spiritual significance as well, because no lame or blind people will enter heaven. Because we're all going to get brand new glorified bodies when we meet Jesus in the sky. We will have our glorified bodies in this atmosphere before we enter heaven and see the Father face to face. This is because heaven is perfection. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no death in heaven. There's no handicaps. There's no deformities. There's no disease in heaven. Everybody who's lame and blind in this life and diseased and oppressed and impoverished or has anything wrong with them, if you follow the Lord and he takes you up in the sky, you will have a new body when you meet him in the clouds. It isn't that handicapped people can't go to heaven, but they can't go to heaven handicapped. So it's true. No lame and blind will come into the house of God. We'll all be perfect when we see him. 9. And David dwelt in the stronghold, and called it the city of David, and David built round about from Milo and inward. This is what is known as the city of David. It still exists today, but it's mainly underground, because it's ancient, and it's been buried by modern civilization. Because, you know, ancient places go deeper and deeper, and the newer places get built on top of them. The city of David is what we would consider underground today, but in his time it was above ground. 10. And David waxed greater and greater, for the Lord, the God of hosts, was with him. He became stronger, meaning he's winning wars, his army is very strong, and he is gaining wealth. 11. And Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David, and cedar trees, and carpenters, and masons, and they built David a house. So at this time, David has a palace. I don't know if Saul ever had a real palace. I think he probably just had a large house that he lived in. But apparently Saul did have a crown, as we learned in a previous chapter. But David is actually going to be the first king who actually has a real 
palace. He is friends with the king of Tyre, so the king of Tyre has sent him builders and material to make a palace for him. Probably a fairly modest palace compared to what King Solomon's palace will be, which will probably be the most beautiful palace ever created, before or since. Solomon made for himself a house of gold. But anyway, David has a palace. 12. And David perceived that the Lord had established him king over Israel, and that he had exalted his kingdom for his people Israel's sake. Sounds like David is a slow person to realize the facts that the Lord has made him king. Well, he knew all along that the Lord had made him king. But at this point, he's feeling very comfortable in the kingship. He has power, he has recognition, he has notoriety, he has wealth, he has a great army, and he's got a palace. He has all the trappings of a king. Now he doesn't only know he's anointed to be king, but he actually feels like a king, and that's what this verse is referring to. 13. And David took him more concubines and wives out of Jerusalem after he was come from Hebron, and there were yet sons and daughters born to David. So he's building up a harem, and he's building up posterity. He's going to have dozens of children, so that there's no way that his name will die out. It's only going to be through his child Solomon, but Solomon hasn't been born yet. 14. And these are the names of those that were born unto him in Jerusalem, Shemua and Shobab and Nathan and Solomon. But Solomon hasn't been born yet, but he will be. But this is going over all of his sons, period. And I'm sure he had a lot of daughters too. 15. And Ibhar and Elishua and Naphig and Japhia. 16. And Elishama and Eliada and Eliphalet. Those are all the sons of King David. 11 sons. 17. And when the Philistines heard that David was anointed king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to seek David, and David heard of it and went down to the hold. 18. Now the Philistines had come and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. That's a valley of giants. And the Philistines want to fight David. They want to wipe him out. 19. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Wilt thou deliver them into my hand? And wisely he asks the Lord first, because the Lord always tells Israel when they should fight and when they shouldn't fight. And the Lord said unto David, Go up, for I will certainly deliver the Philistines into thy hand. The Urim on the priest's breastplate lit up, and the priest received a prophecy that God would deliver the Philistines into David's hand. 20. And David came to Baal Perazim, and David smote them there, and he said, The Lord hath broken mine enemies before me, like the breach of waters. Therefore the name of that place was called Baal Perazim. Now Perez means break forth. And Baal is the demon god that the pagans would sacrifice their children to. This name means break forth against Baal, meaning to defeat Baal. Baal was defeated there, and the Philistines were defeated at that battle. 21. And they left their images there, and David and his men took them away. The images would be the idols, and David and his men took the idols away. 22. And the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. So they came up for his second fight. They think they can win this time. 23. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, Thou shalt not go up. Make a circuit behind them, and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. The Lord is saying, Don't fight them head on. You need to set an ambush from behind. There were mulberry trees growing behind the battlefield, and the Lord told David, go behind those mulberry trees and hide out there. And then when I tell you to cross over the mulberry trees, that's when you go and strike them from behind. 
24, And it shall be, when thou hearest the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt bestir thyself, for then is the Lord gone out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. God is telling David that you're going to hear my own angels from heaven marching across the top of the mulberry trees. And when you hear my angels marching, then you follow them. You'll hear their footsteps on the top of the mulberry trees. After they cross and they're in front of you, then you go up behind them because the angels are going to kill the Philistines first. And then David's army is going to kill whoever the angels didn't kill. So it's going to be really easy on David's army. 25. And David did so as the Lord commanded him and smote the Philistines from Geba until thou come to Gezer. This is the second battle he fought against the Philistines after his palace was built. And both battles he won because of the Lord. And that concludes Second Samuel chapter 5.